good to be here again. Always a joy. Always a joy. What if someone was to tell you that a sinner by birth, by nature, and by choice, what if someone was to tell you that a sinner who is just like that can be made fit for heaven? Can be made fit to enter into the presence of the God who is absolutely holy. Of a God who rules the whole universe. God who holds every one of us even. Gives us the very breath that we breathe. What if sinners... And think of that. God is absolutely holy, right? Sin cannot be in his presence. But sinners can be made fit to be in his presence. Now for a sinner, that would be the most wonderful news, wouldn't it? It would be the most incredible news. It would be Good news for us, right? Because all we are is sinners. All, all anyone, this top side of God's earth is, is sinners. And what if someone was to tell you that you could be made fit for heaven, but it wasn't any of your doing? Let's look at tonight. Let's look. Let's look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. The name of the message is Qualified for Heaven. Qualified for Heaven. And qualified means to be made fit, to be fit. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now last week, and, and weeks before, we looked at Paul praying for the, the church at Coloss, the saints at Coloss. He's praying for God's people. And we see in verse 11, it says, Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Tonight we'll see where Paul's petition turns to praise. There's a shift. He's been praying for the people of Colossians. And what happens when we pray? We naturally turn to praise, don't we? It always happens. It always happens to one of us. We get so caught up in the wonder of God that we'll be praying for people and then we'll just get caught up in the wonder of God in the majesty of And it says here in our text, 
See where he turns his petition? He's petitioning them, God, that, they, that the Colossian saints would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power and to all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. And we looked at patience being, being um, strength to go through trials last week and long-suffering to deal with, deal with people every day in our lives with joyfulness. With joyfulness. That's not always easy. And it says here in our text, though, giving thanks unto the Father. So he turns his petition to thanks, to praise. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Now, what wondrous things God has done for us. What wondrous things God has done for his people. And it's all in Christ. It's nowhere else. Nowhere else. And what happens, our hearts... Our hearts become filled. Our hearts become filled with praise, don't they? When we think of the things that Christ has done for us, the things that we could never do for ourselves, and it, and it just our, our hearts become abounding with praise towards Him. When we think about Him dying on the cross in place of me, and, and it becomes personal. Well, our hearts describe when we think that God the Father planned that in eternity. It, our, our minds can't even, I don't think we can fully even in, uh, take in what that means. Because that was all based upon nothing in us. And simply by the good pleasure. And, and then to think that Christ went to the cross and died for those people who God gave him. It's amazing. And it fills us with awe. And to think that the God of the universe became a man. That he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew. He knew what he had to do. We saw that on Sunday. He must die. He must. And yet he did it. And think of the agony in Gethsemane. I was reading a Spurgeon sermon today about, about the agony in Gethsemane. The agony that he went through as the Father starts to forsake him. That had never happened until that point. God forsaking God. And the agony, as, as he's already starting to bear the weight of our sin. And it fills us with awe to think that he did that for me. He did that for you who believe. It just fills us with awe. And we, we give thanks. We give thanks. Our hearts are filled with praise. And here Paul gives, gives thanks unto the Father. And, and if you notice through his epistles, he's continuously giving thanks. He always, he always does. He approaches God with a thankful heart. And notice in, the, in his prayer, when we see in verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. And we can even see in verse 10 that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. And then we see in our text then 
giving thanks unto the Father which had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. There's no man's doing in those texts. It's all what God is doing. It's not about man making a decision. There's nothing in those texts about man's supposed free will. There's nothing in there that says that a, that a sinner merits this. God has mercy on whomever He pleases. Nothing in us prompted God to have mercy upon us. We are all hell-deserving sinners. Every one of us. But we who are saved are saved by the pure, free, sovereign grace of God in Christ. Because He chose to have mercy upon us. So why should we give thanks for the Father choosing us in Christ? For the Lord Jesus Christ dying in our place, purchasing us with His own precious blood. And we also give thanks to the Holy Spirit who regenerates us. We're born again. Strengthens us all through this journey. All through this world. We give thanks for the justifying blood of Christ which cleanses us from all our sins. It covers Praise God it does, eh? Heard a grace preacher this week. He said, he said, Oh, I'm so thankful you can't see what's in here. Don't every one of us say that? But he says God sees it, right? But God doesn't see that in the believer anymore. He sees us clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Clothed in his precious righteousness. So we give thanks to God. For his preserving grace, too. Because if he didn't keep us, we'd be gone. And all this was prepared by God in eternity for his people. For those who would trust Christ. And we give thanks that he's qualified us for heaven. He's qualified us for heaven. Remember earlier I said, what would you do if you were told you'd be made fit? The believer is made fit for heaven. And we're going to see that tonight. Made fit. And it's a wonder. It's a wonder. I know we look at that text, right? And we say, it doesn't say made fit though. But we're going to see that salvation is of the Lord. The Greek word, see the little word there, meet, M-E-E-T? It doesn't mean what the English word means in the Greek. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet. Now meet, for us, we meet people, right? I met someone. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. The Greek word in this text means this. 
to enable. Give me thanks in the Father which hath enabled us. It also means to qualify. It also has another definition of to make sufficient. To make sufficient. Render fit. The believer is made fit for heaven. Made fit for heaven. And it's only in Christ. It's nowhere else. Nowhere else. Now, we have no natural fitness for heaven, do we? When we come into this world, we're not fit for heaven. Not at all. Not at all. Every man, woman, and child in this world tonight was born into this world totally and completely unfit for heaven. Born into the world. There was only one who was perfect. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But every person who has been born from Adam, other than Christ, from Adam all the way till now, till, till when the Lord comes back and it's all over, every human being born from Adam comes into this world completely and totally unfit for heaven. Totally. And how do we know this? Well, only the Lord Jesus Christ was born sinless. Absolutely perfect. He was God incarnate in the flesh. We come from our fathers. and We can trace that all the way back. And we know when Adam fell, we fell with him. So we're unfit for heaven. And we're born, aren't we? Dead in trespasses and sins. We know that. Ephesians 2 tells us that, right? Verse, verse 13, or in Colossians 2.13 says this. If you want to turn over, turn over one page probably. I think it's one page in mine here. Yeah, it's on the same page. Look at Colossians 2.13. We come into this world unfit for heaven. Look at Colossians 2. And you being dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, born again. With him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Remember I said it's wonderful news for sinners? Oh, brother, all your sins are forgiven in Christ. It's wonderful news for sinners. And do you know we're hostile to God? Turn, if you would, to, to Romans chapter 8. We come into this world. By our first birth, we're not qualified for heaven because we're hostile to God. We're hostile to God. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 7. And we'll be looking at verse 8 too. But look at verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And this is the next one. We are not qualified for heaven by our first birth as we cannot please God. So look at verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So do you see how we're, we're not fit? We're not fit. But oh, one can be fit in Christ. And we're going to see that. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness. So we come into this world, we're born into this world, not qualified because we cannot even understand the things of God. 
Natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.14 We are not qualified for heaven by our first birth as we cannot see the kingdom of God. The Lord said, our king said to Nicodemus, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Brother Tim, we've often talked about the gospels of revelation. God has to reveal himself or you'll never know him. He never will. But praise God, he reveals himself to the sinners and in doing that, and we're going to see this, he makes us fit. <laughs> he makes us fit. So all these are things that we're not, we're, not, we're not fit by our natural birth. And it goes on. Turn with you, if you would, to John chapter 8, verse 43 and 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. We're not qualified for heaven by our first birth because we cannot hear the words of Christ. John chapter 8, verse 43, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. We cannot hear the words of Christ. Why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. They couldn't receive it. Do you remember before the Lord saved you? How the, the Bible was just ink? Ink on paper, wasn't it? Now it's wonderful. <laughs> now it's wonderful. Look at Second Corinthians chapter uh, yeah, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four. We're not qualified for heaven by our first birth because we're blind to the light of the gospel. We're blind to the light of the gospel. It's 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So, so we're, we're blind, we're deaf, we can't hear, we can't see. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. We're not qualified for heaven by our, by our first birth as we think the gospel's foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. I remember. And, 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 and every one of us who have been saved, we can remember that. People come and talk to us about the gospel and we were like, what are you doing? Or you want to just get away from them as fast as you can. But now it's precious. Now he's precious. Now he's precious. Now the word's precious. The gospel's precious. It says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. Now keep that in mind, the power of God, when we go back to our text. That was 1 Corinthians 1.18. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 3. We're not qualified, and I'll, I'll just say this verse here before that because the rest are in Romans 3 that we're going to look at. We're not qualified for heaven by our first birth as our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Jeremiah says this, the heart is deceitful above all things. People say, just let Jesus into your heart. You need to give us a new heart. 
Hearts deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And then, look at Romans chapter 3, verses 11. We're starting verse 10. We're not qualified for heaven by our first birth, as there is none righteous. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. We know that in order to stand before God, we must have a perfect spotless righteousness, right? But this scripture tells us, and see, there's none. None who are righteous. And we're not qualified by heaven for our first birth. Is we do not seek God. You often, people, often people say, well, I asked a guy this week, I, I was talking with him, and I said, he professes, he professes to believe. And I, I, I knew he didn't. I knew he, he was trusting in himself, but I, I asked him a question, and I said, well, you, you, you claim to be saved. Who saved you? Was it God or you? And he said, both. And I went, you're not saved. You're not saved. I said, salvation's all of God. If you're trusting in God and you, you're, you just mix works and grace. You see how precarious it is? Oh, a man who trusts in his own work along with God's is trusting in a refuge of lies. Because like our little sign out there says, salvation's of the Lord. It's all his doing, beloved. And we'll see tonight again. We're made fit because of him. And we do not fear God in our eye, in our natural state. Look at Romans 3.18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we have a healthy reverence and a healthy fear of God, and it's a reverent fear. It's not a slavish fear, but it's a reverent fear. God is holy. He's holy. But His wrath and justice is turned away for the believer in Christ. So look at verse 19. Here's a sum of it all. In our natural state, the sinner is not fit or qualified for heaven. And we see here that all sinners in the eyes of God, remember I said that, that every person on the on this earth, who's ever lived except for Christ, is guilty before God, is not fit for heaven unless they're made fit. Look at this, Romans 3.19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. Folks want to say whatever they want to say. They want to say, well, well, but it's me and this, and it's, I'm going to follow the law, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Surely that will make me fit. No. Scripture declares we're all guilty. Every single one. Do you see what mercy, salvation in Christ is? Do you see what mercy it is? God having mercy on sinners who do not deserve mercy because He loves them from the, from the eternity. It's wondrous grace. It's, it's, think of how deep our oceans are. It doesn't even come close to how deep this grace and mercy is in Christ. And so we see right here before us in Scripture that we are unfit for heaven by our natural birth. In that Scripture in, in Romans 3.19, they're unfit for heaven by any works either. Because we're all guilty. 
And that's a level playing field. That doesn't matter what, what situation in life, rich, poor, it does not matter. Everyone is guilty before a holy and righteous God. And our works surely do not make us fit for heaven. The law doesn't make us fit for heaven. To, we, we tried, didn't we? Those of us who came, we tried to supposedly spin our own self-righteous works. That didn't do anything. Didn't make us fit. The law can't make us fit. The law, the law condemns us. Oh, preacher can't make you fit. Can't make yourself fit for heaven. But what if there was one? And there is one who can make sinners fit for heaven. And it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. See the state we're in, right? But Oh, if you're born again by the Holy Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, if you've been redeemed by that precious blood of Christ, if you're saved by His grace and His grace alone, and resting and trusting in Him alone, then you're made fit for heaven by Christ. Look what Scripture declares here again back in our text. And beloved, it is all by the mercy and grace of God our Father. Look at our wonderful text here. Giving thanks unto the Father. No wonder we give thanks. Look at all those Scriptures we looked at, right? That said we are totally unfit. In our natural state. But look at this. Look at what this marvelous Scripture says. Giving thanks unto the Father. And here's, here's four little words. And notice how these four words absolutely destroy works-based religion. Which hath made us. Oh, we could never make ourselves fit for heaven. But God can make us fit for heaven. Giving thanks unto the Father. Which hath made us meet, qualified, fit, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Turn, if you would, to 1 Peter 1.3. Oh, it is God the Father who has, who has begotten us to this inheritance. Only God can pardon us. Only God can pardon us. And He can only do it in Christ. Look at 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to His abundant mercy We could just park right there, couldn't we? According to His not, not just mercy but abundant mercy, beloved. Abundant mercy towards sinners. Abundant mercy to hell-deserving sinners. Abundant mercy hath begotten us, born again, unto a lively hope. Oh, what a hope we have. 
everything going on in this world, and we have a hope in Christ that cannot be moved. Cannot be. It's only in Him. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, raised for our justification, God is satisfied. <laughs> Do you see how it all ties in? Oh, and only He, only the Father can pardon us and accept us in Christ. He is the fountain of all holiness. And it's only Him. Why do we give thanks to the Father? Because He preserves us to the end. Oh, because we know we couldn't do it. But He keeps us. Oh, now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. Faultless. Faultless, sister. It's wonderful. It's wonderful, wonderful news. Faultless. Before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. With exceeding joy. Jude chapter 1 verse 24. Oh, and some religious folks will say it was God and them and their salvation. They're just not saved. They do not know Christ. They do not know the God of the Bible. If God does not save us, we will never be saved. He must redeem His people from their sins. If God does not make us fit, as the Scripture says, if God does not give thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet, fit, qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, if God does not make us fit, we'll be left dead in our trespasses and sins and without hope. Everything, and here, sinner friend, if, if you don't know Christ, here it is. Everything that a sinner needs is in Christ. He's nowhere else. Everything. And every one of us who believe, we know that. He's my redemption. He's my wisdom. He's my sanctification. He's everything. I have no salvation outside of Christ. All that a sinner needs is in Christ. That's where. And our prayer is, God, make you willing to flee to Him. Oh, that He make you willing. How does God make sinners fit for heaven? Only in Christ. Only in Christ. Nowhere else. Only by His redeeming blood which cleanses us from all sins. Only by Christ's righteousness, which is given to us, imputed to us. And by faith, you must have faith in Christ. Folks who say they're saved but have no faith in Christ, they're deceiving themselves. They're, they're, they're trusting in their own works of supposed, well, I'm, I'm a good person. Oh, you must believe. And that's a gift from God. When He regenerates us, Brother Matt, we've talked about it. We went from one minute 
unbelieve and to, to trust him, to rest him. And we might not be able to put an exact time on that, but we did. We, we know, and we know who we believe right now. That's the other question. Who do you believe right now? Who are you trusting in? Who's your rest? Who's your righteousness before a holy God? Well, the believer cries Christ. Nowhere else. He's my only hope. He's my only hope. By faith, we, we rest and trust in the crucified one, the substitute. Our great substitute. Look at our text again. Giving thanks unto the Father. And look at that. Which hath made us. He's, he, he's made those Colossian believers partakers. And who did it? God, right? And it says right there in our text, which hath made us meet. And look at this wonderful part at the latter part of the verse. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Oh. Beloved of God, we're not just witnesses. We're partakers. We're partakers. We're not just someone witnessing this happen. We're partakers. Just as Paul was a partaker, and Peter, and John, and James, and all the saints of all the ages. Oh, and He has made us meet. He has made us fit. He has made us qualify for heaven. No wonder we give Him all the praise and glory and honor. Oh, not just witnesses, but partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. Light. Sinners. Sinners made to partake of this wonderful, amazing inheritance of the saints in glory. He's telling these Colossian saints here that God has made them qualified. God, God has made them fit. They're fit. Fit for heaven. And as I said, this text is written for we who believe, for us to rejoice. For us to rejoice in the fact. It's a fact. Everyone who trusts and rests in Christ has been made fit for heaven. And we've been showing, haven't we, that we're unfit by our natural state. Oh, but that which is impossible with man is possible with God. We can't make ourselves fit, can we? But God can make us fit. And He does. He makes His people fit for heaven in Christ. God, by His grace and according to His good purpose, made us fit. His elect, His people, those He's loved with an everlasting love, those who, who 
the shepherd, the great shepherd of our souls, went to Calvary's cross and bled and died in the room instead of his people, died in their place, the just one for the unjust. Those who the Holy Spirit draws to Christ are made fit to be partakers of the saints in light. And remember this, it is God Himself who makes us fit. What mercy. What mercy. Christ is the only way that any sinner can meet the qualifications of citizenship in heaven. It's only in Christ. It's only in Christ. And if we're in Christ, this scripture here declares, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. It's all God's doing. It's all His doing. If we're in Christ, we're made heirs. I remember growing up. You know, each one of us, just think, those of us who are saved, just think of where you were growing up, not having a clue that you were one of God's people. We didn't have a clue, did we? Living our life however we pleased. But all that time, the shepherd of our soul knew exactly who we were. How come? Because we're engraved in the palms of his hands and he redeemed us with his precious blood. And he's loved us with an everlasting love. Made fit for heaven. No wonder Paul says, in our text, giving thanks unto the Father. No wonder. No wonder. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Oh. 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 We'll just praise His name, won't we? We'll just give Him all the glory and all the honor because He deserves it all. And then next week, we're going to look at this. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. He made us fit. Oh, and beloved, He delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. This mercy just keeps overflowing, doesn't it? It's abound it's superabounding grace. Like the Greek says, it really is. It's just grace upon grace upon grace. Praise his name.